we often talk in here in the season of Lent about this being a time of contrition and repentance. And that is very appropriate for us to consider it that way because indeed we are sinners in need of a Savior. But also it is a time for us to take the opportunity to consider how at times our plans seem to control our lives and even in matters of faith. Lent, therefore, prompts us to ask our questions, do our plans trump God's? Do our plans trump God's? Today we have this parable of Jesus that points to what would happen to him. And it's very easy when you come across this parable to preach just that, uh, fully, you know, that element of how he came, he was sent by the father, the, the owner of the vineyard, and that he ultimately would be beaten and killed. And indeed, all that is true, and it is necessary. But today I'd like to delve into this a little bit further as well. Let's first just review this parable. There was this beautiful parable, one in which the owner of the vineyard had put in the very best stock. He had prepared the ground, and he did everything in the midst of, keep in mind where we are, Israel, in an arid place, and this place, it was a rich and a prosperous vineyard. The vines were full. It was time for the harvest. And everything looked great, but unfortunately there was rebellion happening in the vineyard. The owner sent one of his other servants there to go and to collect what was due to him as the owner, the, the harvest. And when he got there, the tenants, those who worked that vineyard, they beat him. And they sent him away empty-handed. Well, three times, basically, the, the owner did the same thing. He sent one of his servants there to, you know, announce to them, it's harvest time, uh, give to the owner what is due him, and each time they would beat him and send him away empty-handed. Well, finally, the owner said to himself, maybe if I send my son, they will respect him, and they will give him what is due. And yet when the sun showed up, the tenants assumed that, well, the sun's here. Maybe the owner has died. And they uh, came up with a, a great and a wicked plan, which was, let's kill the sun, the air. Because if the sun is killed and no one finds out, you know what happens? They have a right to claim ownership to that vineyard. Well, that's what happened. The story is transparent. Jesus' parable summarizes basically the history of Israel. Israel ignored the word of God that came to them from the prophets. Israel continued to treat the vineyard as if it were their own. It belonged to them and not to God. And the prophets who called the people to repentance and to change, they faced the people's wrath. 
Some of them would find themselves beaten. Others would have suffered even death. But they were despised, they were rejected, and they were sent away empty-handed. In the parable, Jesus confronts those who are present within earshot with their contentment and their complacency over their sin. But Jesus is also speaking today to you and to me. For this text asks us, how are we treating God's vineyard today? How are we allowing our plans, our ideas to trump God's? Well, the scriptures are filled with people who allowed their own plans to take priority. I mean, just a couple. How about Moses, who in the desert, as they're making their way toward the promised land, decided to ignore God and followed his own idea, and the result was he ended up not entering into the promised land. How about Jonah, who God sent to proclaim a message of repentance to the wicked, the vile Ninevites? And when Jonah received that message, what did he do? He ran the other way. And God pursued him. The truth is, it's easy to follow our own plans and reject God's. Easy to follow our plans and reject God's. So how is that true in your life? Do you honor him in all you do, or do you tell yourself, you know, it doesn't really matter? He teaches us through the Apostle Paul uh, saying to us, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of the Lord. Right there. That's the primary purpose. That's part of us understanding we are his servants, his people. But the question is, are you? Or do you tell yourself, you know, that doesn't really matter. God doesn't care, you know, how I, you know, do my work or how I interact with my neighbors or how I work with, you know, the people I work with. Do you worship him on Sunday? But seldom seek his presence, his direction, the rest of the week. It's kind of like we segment our faith life from the rest of our life. We, we claim God, we rejoice in Him, we worship Him on the one day, and then there's the other six days, and we try to live apart from Him, manage things, control things totally on our own. When you have a question, you need direction, you need you know, guidance, do you turn to Google? Do you listen to your own wisdom and ideas instead of searching the scriptures or praying? How and where are you seeking to both understand his will and as well hear it? Do you give him your first and your best or do you give him leftovers? Do you believe he is the giver of everything you have or do you believe that you have it because of your own efforts? You see, it's quite easy to find ourselves allowing our plans, our ideas to trump God's. Well, this parable teaching from Christ has a dire warning for us and for all people. God's grace is undeserved kindness 
because of Jesus. Not because of you or me, not because of something we do or some idea of ours. Without Christ, there is no mercy. Without Christ, there is no grace, no forgiveness. In this parable, Jesus has a warning for the church. You can't have a bride without a groom. You can't have a church without the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have forgiveness and life apart from faith in Him. So what does this mean? This means the church today, you and me, that doesn't proclaim and doesn't stand only on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for forgiveness, life and salvation, has the same fate as those Old Testament people of Israel. The same fate. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Yet we tell ourselves we don't want to offend or come across as holier than others. Or we say, you know, that's out of touch with the world today, with our, our culture. It doesn't apply now. Besides, we also can tell ourselves that it's boring. Come on, people, they've heard enough of this. People want to hear about, you know, current events. People want to be helped to be better parents, better grandparents, better neighbors, better citizens. They want to know how to, and then you can add there whatever you want. But we must remember this. We aren't the owners. We don't get to choose what the church is about or what we do. Jesus has already decided for us. We are only the tenants who serve him. That's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day missed. But in love. By God's choosing, he has given us a place in his vineyard of grace. The vineyard, my friends, it is his church. It is this place or any place where his word and his sacraments are present. The vineyard is a place brimming with life amid a barren and a dying world. It is an oasis of refreshment in a dry desert. Here, God blesses us with the life-giving waters of baptism as he washes away our sins. Here, God nourishes us with his word. Here, God gives us wine to drink from the cup of salvation, the blood of the new covenant. Right here. Yes, that stone that Jesus talked about is himself. And those who stumble over Christ and his ways, he says, will be broken to pieces. Christ and his cross are a stumbling block to those who want their way, who have their own plans and won't follow his. The cross is a stumbling block to those who want to live according to the world, operate by its rules, and let such worldly ways run their lives and even run the church. The cross of Christ, it says no to all of that. Paul's uh, writing to the Philippians in chapter 3, our reading today, 
has some interesting uh, language and imagery there. He's talking here about how he has all of these things that he could claim that somehow give him not only prominence within the world and the culture of which he was a part, but even before God. But he says, I now consider them all, in the translation we have, says garbage. But you do know what the Greek word there is, right? Dung. Dung. There's a few other words I'd kind of like to say, but you know what I'm getting at. He considers them rubbish of no worth, no value. Instead, he has learned to cling to Christ alone. Not himself, not his wisdom, not his prominence, not what he knows and he's learned. None of that. He seeks alone to be a servant, a slave of Christ. I count that all as loss so that he might receive the gift of the one who is Savior, the cornerstone. My dear friends, Jesus our Lord feeds and he nourishes us with his life-giving self. And so our response should be that we sing and we give thanks in this grace-filled vineyard because here we are ransomed and we are set free. Here we are given forgiveness and peace. So why would we want to take charge? Why would we want to be illegitimate owners? Why would we want it our own way? For the real owner of the vineyard is here, lavishing us with mercy and grace. And what could be better than that? As I ponder uh, the areas of my own life of ways in which I take control, take charge. And the older I get, and the more I'm honest with myself, the more I need to run to Scripture and let it be my guide. How do I evaluate myself? How do I evaluate my life? How do I evaluate? Am I getting out of the way and letting His plans, His will predominate, or mine? So what does God say about seeking and trusting in his plans? Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. What better place to go than to the very word itself? Proverbs 3, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. But too often we do just what it talks about. We rest on our experience, our wisdom, our knowledge, our own strength and abilities. But he says, get out of the way and lean on me. 
Jeremiah 29, we know the first part of this verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And by the way, that's not talking about just here. He is talking especially about an eternal hope, an eternal future. But listen to the next verse. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What a loving God who avails himself and says, I am here. You can find me when you seek me. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me daily. Deny themselves, their plans, their agendas, their ideas, their strength. Follow me, take up my cross. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We have a God who is not only primarily concerned with our eternal future and where we are going, but we have a God who is also concerned with our temporal needs as well. As we seek him, he will guide us. Ephesians 5, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be very careful then. The days are evil. And then giving thanks in the midst of everything. Even when you're unsure of what's going on, even when you're unsure of what path or what plan is before you. He says, give it to him, and you can sing and make music to the Lord. My dear friends in Christ, what a gift we have. That we live in this vineyard, the church of Jesus Christ, of which God the Father is the owner, and he sent his Son who took our punishment and suffered death but didn't stay dead. He was raised again to give us life and victory, both for today and for eternity. Let us praise him. And all God's people say, Amen.